But then I saw him face to face down on that planet. And I couldn't find it anymore. I remember now. I remember it all. your ship, learn your secrets. You were willing to betray your captain to protect your people. I sacrificed my body and mind to protect mine. I have the human's face, but inside I remain Klingon. Klingon? I remain Volk, son of none, the torchbearer. Passed this feeble body into the heart and mind of a warrior. Which is why I killed him. Welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show, your place for a detailed analysis of each episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now here are your hosts, Sean Ray and Rick Tatro. Hello everyone and welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. My name is Sean Ray and tonight we're going to be discussing the 11th episode of Star Trek Discovery's first season which was titled The Wolf Inside. It was written by Lisa Randolph and directed by T.J. Scott. And joining me on the mic, first and foremost, is co-host of the program, Rick. How are you, sir? I am just dandy, sir. Thank you very much. And my friend and the co-host of another podcast I do called Cosmic Potato, John Irons. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And joining us this week as our guest is the host of the Fandom Podcast, Brandon Uccio. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. It's great, it's great to have you. Uh, before we begin, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to play a short game. This is something that we do <laughs> on uh, Cosmic Potato a lot. But have you guys ever played Mad Libs? Yeah. Okay. So. I'm going to have to remember nouns and verbs and adjectives and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a paragraph in front of me. And uh, I'm going to, before I read the paragraph, I'm going to ask you guys to provide some adjectives, nouns, verbs, and that kind of thing. And hopefully it'll be entertaining. And if it's not entertaining, it was John's idea. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like, whatever. (laughs) I'm sure that's going to go great. Okay, so I'll go around the virtual circle. I'll start with Brandon. Brandon, give me an adjective. Adjective. This is the describing word, right? Yes. Hulking. Say that again? Hulking, like oh, hulking. like the Incredible okay. Hulk, just like giant. All right, I thought you said holting. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, hulking. All right. Uh, Rick, let me have a noun. Proper noun or just a noun? Just a noun. Uh, chair. All right. John, let me have a body part. Threat ganglia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
uh, Brandon, give me another adjective. Another adjective. Let's stay with the same theme and let's do green. All right. <laughs> All right, Rick. Let me have another noun. Um. Arthropod. <laughs> arthropod. And uh, John, give me an adjective. Um, shiny. All right. Brandon, give me a drink. Well, you're at a good one too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go with diet coke. All right. And Rick, uh, okay, yeah, Rick, give me an adjective. Unfathomable. Ooh, that's one of those twelfth grade words. <laughs> I've, I've been reading some Lovecraft lately. <laughs> and John, give me a plural noun. Tribbles. All right. Okay. Here is the paragraph. My name is Gabriel Lorca. Now you can tell that my kids didn't do any of these because butt cheeks isn't in here anywhere. <laughs> uh, okay, my name is Game is uh, Gabriel Lorca, and I am the hulking captain of the USS Discovery. I recognize that life isn't all puppies and chairs, <laughs> and sometimes you just have to grab it by the threat ganglia and show it who's boss. The green brass running Starfleet may mean well, but they can't see the whole arthropod. <laughs> and I don't have time to draw them a shiny map while they're sipping their Diet Coke. Uh, people are either useful or they're unfathomable tribbles. <laughs> so there you go, madly. That actually kind of works. <laughs> yeah. it, it does work for Lorca. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't have Diet Coke in the 23rd century. I don't guess. I don't know. They better. Seems a little unhealthy for the future, but <laughs> with the new. It's all Coke Zero and and Zima. That's right, Zima. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's Klingon. It's Klingon Zima. So if it's not blood wine, would it be like uh, plasma wine? Is that what we're <laughs> right? <laughs> blood orange wine. A little light, a little light on the blood. Yeah. Um, okay, so as far as this episode goes, let, let's just go around the circle and see what everybody kind of had and what their overall feeling was about the wolf inside. We'll start with our guest. Brandon, what did you think about this episode? It was entertaining. It basically confirmed everything that everybody had been talking about. Like, all the speculation kind of came all at once and is like, yep, I'm pretty sure this is how it's going it made me understand that this this show is not necessarily targeted towards the Star Trek enthusiast, but trying to maybe hopefully make new ones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't it, it it didn't tickle the sweet spot of this Star Trek nerd. Okay. All right, Rick, what do you think? Remember how last week I said Discovery keeps doing things I don't like and making me like it? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen this week. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say I hated the episode, and I just finished my second watch this afternoon because uh, for one reason or another it got too late last night for me to watch it twice. Um, and I also needed to cool down because I was I was not a happy camper when this episode ended. Um, like like Brandon just said, uh, it's it's pretty much everything we expected uh, happened. And since 
the MO of Discovery up until this point has been, oh, wow, I was so wrong about that, to have the entire freaking episode be, oh, yeah, we got that one, we got that, yep, they did that, okay, we were right about that. Uh, it, and they've also, and we'll go into this in more detail later, but they've also started doing the thing with the uh, with the Mirror Universe episodes that makes me hate them, which is the plotline calisthenics necessary to get everybody we see in the main show on screen in the alternate universe in some way. Uh, and it just it just starts really there. Here you go. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree with both you guys. I, I was entertained by the episode, and I think there, there's something about this show that I like the episode when I first watch it, and then when I watch it the second time is when I get uh, a few things that just kind of irk me a little bit. But um, so when I watched the show, I wasn't keeping notes or anything. I was just watching the episode. And I enjoyed what I saw, but there were a couple of things like you, what you were talking about, people showing up that it didn't really make sense for them to be there, and we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I mean, I, I told John last night, when I right after I had seen the episode, that every episode is the best episode. And at, when I watched it the first time, I really thought, I, I thought this was a great episode. Then I went back and watched it again. And there was just a couple of things that just didn't sit right with me that we will talk about. But I, I'll have to give the episode a, a solid B. I'd have to, I'd have to give it a B. But uh, John, what do you think? Uh, I guess I'm the odd man out on this one. I, I didn't. It wasn't one of my favorite episodes, but I didn't, I didn't dislike it because for me, I mean, yes, I agree with you. We definitely, you know, we're checking off boxes. And, uh, you know, we got everything we ordered on the menu. Um, but I appreciate that. Not because, aha, we figured it out, but because they didn't drag it out the way... That that would have been, to me, the sin of it. Not that they did it and that we predicted it, but if it took them five episodes for the big reveal that we all knew, you know... Yeah. I don't know. The Ash thing that. was kind of dragged out between the last episode and this episode. Yeah, but that's just two episodes. Yeah, last episode he, he, they did. You know, he, he, yeah, he was semi he was semi activated, and then he was you know more fully activated. Yeah. So like that's what I'm saying. Like if if it if he had been having his 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 Jekyll Hyde struggle for like another two or three episodes, I I would have been you know I would have been very upset. <laughs> but uh, I mean he like that. I mean, not that the storyline is over, but that chapter of the storyline is done. And the other thing, that, that other big mystery box is opened. And, yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. And as far as the people who showed up at the meeting, fine, whatever. That kind of makes sense that they would be trying to build an alliance against humans, fine. And the one who showed up at the end... I'm curious as to how they're going to make it happen. But even if they don't put a lot of effort into it, I'm still fine with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I, I definitely hear where you're coming from, but it it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much depending on how that person is utilized. Well, like, like, you know, like I said, if, if it hadn't been, all along, every time we thought something was going to go one way, and then they did a, a complete 180 to what we expected. Uh, you know, if this was 
DS9, no, well, yeah, if this was DS9 or, or TNG and it, you know, all of the reels, I would, eh, see, we guessed it. We knew that was coming, <laughs> but they've been, they've been so good about, about outsmarting us <sighs> up till now that while, you know, yeah, the reveal at the end when, when the emperor shows up, we're, we're yeah. spoiling, right? Yeah. We're not worrying about spoilers anymore. Um, you know, when Giorgio shows up, yeah, it oh, was, wait, it no, was no, like, no, okay, spoiler. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it was like, yep, we knew it was her. But in it, the, you know, in the back of my head, I'm going, oh, I wish it had been some. I wish they had done something we weren't expecting. But see, but like, we, she was, you know, I guess like one of the top nominees. But it really, I mean, there were probably three, I guess, three kind of consistent theories. Like, I mean. It, there were there were a few that were kind of out there, like Harry Mud, you know. Yeah, but, that but it, so. yeah, but there were. I mean, it's not unreasonable that it would have been one of. And, and honestly, if it had just been a complete stranger, we would have jumped. Yeah, you know, it, it would have been someone we had to recognize at least a little bit. Yeah, and I don't think I think that when when they actually made these episodes, they probably thought that they were being a little more clever than they. <laughs> I don't think they anticipated how much people were going to scour the internet for for <laughs> theories and, and things like that, and that right. people were going to figure this stuff out. Now the stuff with Vok, yeah, they started they started to tell us that two episodes ago. You know when he started having those flashes and all that kind of stuff, and then last week, um, they pretty much told us without actually coming out and saying it. You know, and then see. I'm actually I'm actually going to disagree with you on that one. Bach, after I saw this and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's what we all thought. I thought about I, I've been thinking about the previous episodes, and the cinematography kind of gives it away. There are ways that they shoot Bach that they the cinematographers do it the exact same way for Tyler. And so mm-hmm. if so, going back and watching it again, it it just adds a little bit more. Like oh. That really is telegraphing this. And I'm going to say that the cardinal sin of this episode was they telegraphed the entire thing through marketing even. Yeah. Because since day one, they've been saying, this is going to be the story about two ships. These are going to be the main characters. And then after the second episode, we're all like, this is nothing what they said it was going to be. And we decided that we liked it. Well, they've given us nine more episodes, and then they basically said, oh, just kidding. You know all that marketing stuff that we said about this being about these two ships and about these people here? It's actually going to be about that. And so <laughs> they, did, they did the 180, and then they did another 180, <laughs> and we're right back to where we started. And that was what – I feel like that's the cardinal sin of this episode. So is, they, they lied to us by telling us the truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, te- and technically, what? technically, I guess it would be three ships because you got the Shinzu and then the Mirishins. <laughs> and the yes. yeah. <laughs> well, I I do have to say, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say a couple of of good things about the episode uh, before I continue to to crap all over it. Um, <laughs> I like that. I, I was surprised to see Ash go full Vok. I thought we were going to get a Gollum thing all the way through the rest of the series. Yeah, I would have been annoyed. I'm, pl- I'm pleased that they um, Yeah, and that that kind of, I you know that's that's the kind of sort of mistaken identities thing that that really bugs me. So I'm glad that they dealt with that right away. That they got rid of the did Stamets kill Culber right away. Um, I loved the stuff with with Tilly and Saru and Stamets, mm-hmm. yeah. and the thing that you know that Stamets did 
yeah, you know that's that's cool. I think that's going to have some interesting ramifications. Um, you know, it, it it's not a you know again, it's not a bad you know nobody did a bad job in the episode. Uh, you know the 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 writing is solid uh, for the most part. I don't think there was a whole lot of you know hackneyed dialogue. I could could have done without Burnham's narration at the beginning, but they at least made that make some sense. Um, but uh, uh, and you know um, Michelle Yeoh just awesome as the Emperor. And I, I read that uh, that sword she's carrying, or not? No, it was on After Trek. That sword she was yeah. carrying, she helped design it. It's like the the prop man was making it, and he like showed it to her, and she's like, "No, this needs to be different." This, you know, because she's a, yeah. a master sword swords person <laughs> and martial artist and stuff. So, oh yeah, she um, was in the, what was it, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was I was thinking how awesome would it be if if she was actually if it was the Green Destiny and it had just been passed down. Yeah, <laughs> one thousand generations. You know what I just realized? I would love to see. And it probably probably will never happen, but I would love to see a movie or a TV show where Michelle Yeoh and Ming Na Wen had to fight it, had to fight together. <laughs> <laughs> I could die a happy man after seeing that. <laughs> John, did you summarize? As an the Asian, episode? go ahead. I was just say, as an Asian, I know so many white people that would think it was special effects because we you got two of the same person, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I, they probably get mixed up more than almost any other Asian actress pair in Hollywood. John, did you summarize the episode? Uh, I did. Okay, go ahead. No, you didn't. Well, we all did, really. But Wait. <laughs> here we go. Uh, Is this an editing thing I'm unaware of and I just blew it? <laughs> Uh, this episode picks up a couple of days after the previous one. Burnham, Tyler, and Lorca are still aboard the Mira Shinzu. Uh, they have the data that they need, but they need, they have to get it back on board the Discovery to decipher it. Burnham's in command. Tyler is her body man, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and <laughs> and Lorca is being constantly tortured in the agony booth. Uh, and all three are starting to fray around the edges. Although, weirdly, Lorca is showing it the least. Uh, they aren't sure how much more they can take, and when they receive an order from the mysterious emperor, not so mysterious at this point, to wipe out a nearby base of rebel aliens. Uh, this show, Discovery, continues to thread the needle of setting up questions and resolving them, perfectly surfing the wave of internet theories, being buoyed by them without being crushed under the weight of them. Uh, I know we issue a spoiler warning. This is supposed to be before we did all the spoilers, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know we issued a, sp- a general spoiler warning, but at this point I take it as a personal challenge to try to <laughs> these episodes without any spoilers. In that vein, uh, I'm going to present this review as a Best Day, Worst Day nominees. Best Day, Bach for winning a major fight. Worst Day, Tyler for losing a major fight. <laughs> Best Day, also Bach for winning a major fight. Uh, worst day, Tilly for endangering the life of a friend when she tried to help. Best day, Sarek for not being a dick. <laughs> worst day, <laughs> worst day, Lorca, you know, because of all the torture. But he uh, seems to like it. Yeah. He doesn't. It doesn't seem to bother him. Yeah. Uh, he may be building day. his own agonizer booth when he gets back to the prime. <laughs> yeah. uh, simultaneous best day and worst day, Stamets. 
we're going where no man has gone before, except apparently Stamets. Uh, but <laughs> without a doubt, the winner is always follows. Worst day, Michael Burnham for pretty much everything that happened to her this episode. <laughs> and best day for Michelle Yeoh for one of the best entrances in Star Trek history. Alright, yeah, this was a Lorca Light episode. I think he was only in two scenes. And uh, and I did... I, I, I'll steal the joke from After Trek because they showed the scene from next week when Michael is giving him like <laughs> a some kind of a concoction to help him with the pain of the uh, agonizer booth. <laughs> like, oh, right, why didn't yeah. you give me that two days ago? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. So, yeah, it's been two days since the last episode. Even though to hear Michael's uh, monologue at the beginning, it sounds like she's been in there for six months. But uh, Stamets is, is found uh, rocking Culber's body, saying something about trees. What was he saying about trees? Uh, it's a forest, and you can see the trees. Oh, okay. Like, you can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> but uh, So uh, Michael Burnham... So, well, okay, before we go to that, I'm... I was pretty sure that when we saw Stamets sitting there holding Culber's body that they were going to assume that he killed him. Yeah. I mean, we kind of right. theorized that last week, but Saru basically said it, you know, that basically he killed him. And then, you know, Tilly is saying, well, this isn't really him, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that they'll, like we said last, like uh, Chris said last week, um, they've got, in Star Trek, they've got security cameras everywhere. <laughs> I mean, just look at the security <laughs> footage and see who killed him. But, you know, that's, that's well, see, just that's not in the sick bay because of all the privacy implications. Nah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, we, we just, we don't, we don't know, again, we don't know what Ash did. He might have, he might have, I think they said something about there was like a, a power surge or something because some, there was, because that also is how they explained that his, his little, um, his little uh, field was down that, that, that Stamets could have gotten to him yeah. because he was in, he was like a, um, an isolation, bump. I'm not using the right terminology, but you know, what I'm force saying. Field. There, there was a force field up. Right. Um, and, and so they, there was some kind of power, something that knocked the field down that allowed him to get out and uh, presumably kill Culber. And that same phenomenon could have taken out whatever security feed they had. Well, Culver took well, also, that field down because we saw Culver take the field down when he. We went. know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now the the weird thing is, uh, what I I didn't notice until my second viewing is that uh, Stamets and Culver were not in sick bay. They were in a hallway. One of the one of those bridges that connect the two rings. That's where they were found. Okay. So did Stamets bring Culver there, or did Tyler drag the body somewhere and then Stamets found him? I don't. I don't think. I think Stamets is still effectively blind, right? Um, no, he's not blind. He's just not think, yeah, seeing the the plane he's on for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, okay. see, he's seeing everything. <laughs> I think. And it's that's was that's was messing. He's seeing all the universes at once, and it's right. and that's what's messing with his brain. But um, okay, so uh, Michael does, Burnham does it, can't. It, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Did, did the techno babble as far as what was happening to Stamets bother anybody? The bio babble. <laughs> the one one part of it did. The 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 laser photons are, are and and 
that, that, that as soon as they said that, I checked out. <laughs> I love Technobabble, and I love the fact that Star Trek has, from TNG on, at least made an effort to uh, to sound plausible. Right. Uh, you know, even if they're just pulling shit out of their ass, <laughs> you know, making up particles out of nothing, um, at least there's there's some consistency to the tech. What Tilly was spewing in, in at that in that scene made no sense from any perspective, and so I just kind of ignored it. Yeah, I felt like it was it was way more made up explanation than you needed, because we know that his brain is changing. You're saying that you know it's because he's Basically, he needs to reconnect with the spores. That's that's like you could have simplified a lot. Like you went way, you took a much longer route, and you know, recalculating, recalculating. You didn't need all that. You could have just turned right, and we'd have been right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had to rewind. Well, and the it a amount of times, times. Go ahead, Brandon. No, go. Sorry. I was just gonna say the amount of times that uh, I've heard a warp bubble compared to a balloon on Star Trek. Like they've usually they usually try to simplify it even so that people understand right. this is what's going on. Um, my brother and I were we're tech nerds. We work with computers. We used to play a game where we would uh, use technobabble when we were talking to people about computer stuff and <laughs> see how long they would it would be uh, before they realized we were just technobabbling and it wasn't really anything. Usually we lost when we started using the word flux capacitor. That was usually <laughs> what people started to be like, oh oh you're not being serious. <laughs> and I just kind of felt that same way from Tilly. I just, she started going and I just started zoning out. I'm like, oh, this is just, th- there is no like good, good explanation here that John Doe is going to understand. This is like either the bioengineers are getting really angry at what you're saying or nobody understands a word. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to rewind a couple of times just to hear her explain it again so I could figure out what she was saying. And I'm a guy that has heard, Jordy LaForge explained things with Techno Bible for my entire life, and I've been able to figure out what he was saying. And uh, but basically, she was trying to say that his brain is connected to all the universes. I mean, that's it in a nut in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, so like, it's like he was connected with this. Basically, it's like he 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 uploaded some of his brain to the cloud. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. But but being disconnected from the spores, he's just he's he's not online. So he he can't access his 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 mind photos. Right. That's, yeah. Well, that's, actually, that's, no. It's it's the other way around. It's he uploaded his brain to the cloud, and now he's so far away from a router, he's using all of his power to stay connected. Because if he loses the connection, he'll die. Uh, At least that's what I. That's kind of how I took it. That that's probably right. Like I, like I said, I wasn't following. <laughs> <laughs> that makes yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that was still some wonderful acting from Mary Wiseman, who just continues to impress. And, and I will say, for the record, even though we all knew the Valk thing was coming, he did a, he 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 acted it better than I thought. Like he did as good a job as acting that transformation as anyone could. Yeah, like just real subtle ticks, like from confusion to 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 calm, to comfort, to, like, very subtle facial stuff going on. Like, it was a really good job. All right, so Michael Burnham can't sleep. She says the light is different where she is and that kind of thing. Everywhere she turns, there's fear. And when she says that, Saru's counterpart comes in, and he is her personal slave. Now, this is the first thing that I had a problem with because I can get that the Kelpians 
would be a slave species in this universe. But I can't wrap my head around the fact that that specific slave would be on that specific ship. Oh, that's mirror universe stuff, though. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> be careful with that. You'll 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 find all of the flaws, and it's going to come tumbling down. The defense yeah. rests, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the main problem. And and last episode, I liked what they were doing with the mirror universe, and I kind of. Uh, the thing about the show is my wife and I both love the show, but we can't watch the show together because I work on Sunday nights. So I'm watching it at work because I've got to watch it for this show, you know? So she starts texting me after the show is over and, you know, <laughs> asking me to explain some, explain things and stuff. She says, why isn't Saru evil? You know, if, if this is the mirror <laughs> universe and he's supposed to be the counterpart, then he should be evil. And I told her, I was like, it's kind of like what, Discovery is doing with the Klingons. They're reinventing the Klingons. I think they're reinventing the mirror universe. And they're saying that these characters are not necessarily just evil counterparts. They're the same character. It's just that all the circumstances in their life are completely different. So it shapes them differently. But he's had a goatee. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) This, This is what really pissed me off about this episode. Because everybody is the same except the humans. Because and where I lost it, and and is when Burnham starts working on Vok. Now the fact that Vok and Sarek are both down on that fucking planet together. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it, ma- it makes it makes sense that Sarek would be there. Like he's it, he's always. It makes to sense. Bridges. All right, I'll I'll give you Sarek. But and Vok, Vok is the leader and of the- Sarek. But why would he be? <laughs> Vok yeah. was a was a freaking sycophantish follower anyway um okay but well well, wait before we get to that all right okay regardless of who the 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 firewolf is he's a klingon yeah and burnham goes up to him and starts hitting him with klingon psychology and it's on the nose it's exact it's right we're in a universe that everybody's supposed to be that this is how it's been set up, that everybody is kind of the mirror of themselves. So why are the Klingons exactly the same in this universe? That is a point I hadn't considered. But I win. I win. <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, um, does, does anyone else want to answer before I answer? Well, I'm, I'm going to say they obviously weren't the same because in no in no situation in the Prime Universe is, are the Klingons going to actually be the ones who uh, who forged that alliance. And so they are very different. What I had an issue with that is why would Burnham see the Terrans and be like, oh, these are people are completely different than humans. And so I'm going to go figure out these Klingons because these Klingons are going to be the exact same. Why would she think they're the same when they're in a universe where everything is so turned on its head? And so that, well, I mean, we both had issues with that scene, but it was, you were like, oh, it's because it's flipped on its head. I actually liked Vox's response where he was all like, we've been beaten down. Our language has been forgotten, this and that. And, but, you know, so I think they were describing Klingons before the point in their history where things changed before the Zephyr and Cochran and the warp drive thing, yeah. uh, where they shot the Vulcans. And so I think that 
I think the Klingons still would have been the Klingons in that universe up until that point, until they got beaten down to a point where they had to do it. And so she was describing old Klingons, not the modern Klingons. So I, I give guess that. For, for me, I guess the, the fundamental question is this. Um, I never saw the mirror universe. I mean, from the like the very first TOS episode, you know, they're the opposite, you know, opposite day versions, which is obviously a little simplistic. But pretty much after that, I took it as, um, yeah, you're these people. Who would you be if all of your circumstances were different? Mm-hmm. So you are the same person. You know, if if I grew up in, you know, Russia instead of America, I'd still be me, but I'd be a different me. That's how I saw. That's how I saw the mirror universe. Um. So, I guess the question is: Is the mirror universe significantly divergent only from the point of first contact with humans, where he shoots them instead of? befriend them or are we to assume that you know like from from the big bang everything is different the the, the second thing that's that's been the conceit all along that's crazy it all is right, that's why i hate mirror I'm universe like, episodes <laughs> I, I see i took it from the first i always thought it was the first it's like what if you know like like those old marvel comics what if you know it's like Superman Red Sun. What if he landed in Russia instead yeah. of Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they but, said in the in the Enterprise episode that was Peter a Parker episode. Got exposed to gamma radiation. No, yeah. that's they said that it was the Zephram Cochran thing. But Well no 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 they didn't be... though. No, they didn't. They just showed Zephram Cochran killing the Vulcans instead of greeting them. Why there was no point where Zephram Cochran went, hmm, the spaceship's landing. I could friend befriend them or I could kill them. It wasn't a cho- it wasn't one of those quantum choice things. Well, it was well, Cochran was evil. Before they even landed. That's what I was going to say. He, I, I there would have that. to be a point that would show why he but would they, make one decision instead of the other. Because he had did, to be a they, completely different kind of person. He wasn't a completely different kind of person. In First Contact, he was he was still that same guy. He was making the warp drive as a means of war. It's just basically he changed no, he his was. mind. Yeah, he said he, he was. was. Make, he said he was making the warp drive to make money so he could retire to an island with naked women. Yeah, that's what he said in First Contact, yeah. <laughs> Alright, that makes more sense. No, but I thought, okay. Alright, well, let, let's let's just agree that his, his motives were not altruistic. <laughs> no, not necessarily. No, I'll, okay. I'll grant you that. Alright. Um, but yeah, you see, I, this is my problem with the Mirror Universe all along. It was great as a standalone TOS episode part of a what was for all intents and purposes an anthology series with the same characters each time it was it was one of those wonderful it, it was like a one of the short stories from science fiction of the 50s and 60s self-contained don't analyze it too too much just dig the metaphor and go with it but then when ds9 took it and said we're going to we're going to try to flesh out this thing it started taking the the mental contortions you had to make to put all of these people in the same place Yet with different personalities and different circumstances, the it, you know I, I can't imagine the human the Terran Empire ever making starships, uh, you know, <laughs> let alone starships that look just like the ones in the Prime Universe. 
because the Terran Empire would make ships that were, you know, bristling with weapons and you know, would look more like the, the ship of the dead than the freaking Enterprise. So this whole well, thing... Well, what if they were all based on the Defiant? That's... Yeah, I'm okay. not even. I'm not even. No, I did think about that today. <laughs> I, I can see. I did think about that today. I tell you, I do love what they're doing with the Defiant, though, because as so this is where they've made the Trek nerds happy as Trek nerds. We're like, this is this is not the Defiant they think it is. They've never said that this is oh, we're this is a weird Defiant. The closest they came was maybe there's some kind of weird temporal anomaly, but they're thinking it's their Defiant. And the nerds who watch DS9, we're happy that they're talking about the stuff that we know about. But uh, that is, this this is probably the one thing in the episode that I was like, oh, oh, they're talking to me. They've got me. <laughs> well, I know that a lot of a lot of uh, the the gatekeeper fans out there were pissed when they saw the wireframe drawing of the Defiant and the and the nacelles were a little different, and we're like, dudes, they've had the ship for almost a century. You don't think they did something to it? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> they uh, the the last scene when the emperor the emperor's ship shows up. They the, basically they said they can't see it. Was her ship cloaked? Was I the only one who? Like... You know, this series is playing fast and loose with that kind of stuff right now, and I'm not sure where they're going with that. Yeah. However, uh, why, why, why can't we see them? Yeah. So why can't we see them? Okay. Is that? That was the assumption uh, that I made that, that that it had been cloaked. Except they read their power signature, yeah, so maybe they, they were there was coming in from the signature. other side of the planet. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, Okay, so the the Terrans have located the Firewolf, which is basically the leader of the rebellion, and they're on a hidden. How you got that name too? (laughs) Yeah, they're they're on a hidden base. Uh, Michael Burnham has to keep her first officer from immediately destroying them, because her conscience would not allow her to just sit by and let innocent rebels be killed if she can do something about it. She wants to use the opportunity to get the Defiant data off the ship. And since uh, Firewolf is said to be Klingon, she thinks that finding out how he was able to see eye to eye with other races uh, will kind of help them in the war when they go back to the uh, Prime Universe. So the Firewolf is the mirror version of Vok. And uh, she tells him that they need to leave. And uh, to, in order to believe her, she has uh, he has uh, the mirror universe version of Sarek come and do a and he calls him the prophet and has him come and do a, a mind meld with her and Sarek doesn't quite understand what he sees and I don't and I I didn't understand why he didn't why he didn't decode what he was seeing because I yeah, thought that's he, what a mind meld was supposed to do he was supposed to be able to read her thoughts so he would he, know he, hey she's from another universe. <laughs> Yeah, I'll put in my notes. Yeah, Sarek really buried the lead on that mind meld. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you can trust her. Oh, by the way, let me, here's her entire history. Yeah. And See, I, think, I, I was I about think to say. A piece of me in here somehow. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> about to say that maybe there was some incompatibility because of, of different universes, but Spock mind melded with McCoy, no problem, and instantly knew everything that was going on with the T, in the TOS episode. So that. Yeah, I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Sarek is just keeping it, you know, close to the chest. He's not. Maybe he he does know. He's just not saying it. See, that's, that's what, how I read it. Like he I'm wants thinking. to understand more before he says something. Yeah. Or or for whatever reason, he felt like that information might freak Vok out or something. Like he he he's you know kind of basically telling him what he needed to know. Another opinion that I that I 
played with was that he was protecting Michael. He he did the mind meld and he realized, oh, I'm basically her father in this other universe. And she didn't come in and say, I'm from another universe. She said, I'm a different person. Right. And she's right. hiding that. And so she's hiding it for a reason. I'm not going to blow her cover yet. Yeah. That works. That works. Yeah, he seemed he seemed to be uh, as much, if not more, fatherly to her than uh, the Prime Sarek. <laughs> well, remember, yeah. complete opposites in the Mirror Universe. Right. <laughs> so, he's a great like dad said, in the Mirror Universe. <laughs> well, not a dick. Yeah. I mean, we're just lucky he's not wearing leather and wanting to fuck himself. So. <laughs> and you can bleep that if you want. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. um, Have you... Go ahead. Have, have you seen DS9, uh, John? Yeah. Oh. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, the thing, the one thing it's that bothered me in the, the, the DS9 uh, Mirror Universe episodes was the fact that uh, Cisco uh, slept with the uh, Mirror Universe version of Dax. Sure did. Which, I watched that if, today. if she found out about that, she might be kind of weirded out. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on the DS9 yeah. Mirror Universe stuff, because yeah. I just I just can't even. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read the book Red Shirts by John Scalzi. I but did, he, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> there's a scene in there that, that makes fun of the Mirror Universe uh, having a relationship with yourself. <laughs> and yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there, but... It's it's pretty funny. I, yeah, that's not unique to this podcast yeah. being weirded out by that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you, folks, just as an aside, if you haven't read red, red if you haven't read red shirts, uh, and you're a Star Trek fan, uh, you you owe it to yourselves to read it. Uh, but just a warning: it is not the zany romp you might think it's going to be. <laughs> uh, well, um, sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah but I, it was it was a lot more serious than I expected it to be, and oh, I, I yeah, appreciated yes. that. I didn't, I didn't. Fa- I'm not faulting it for that. It just, I was expecting some silliness, and while there certainly was some, it was also, you know, he played it straight, which is yeah, I love exactly. comedy like that. Definitely. I do have to say one thing good about the whole. Uh, what was the name of the planet? Hel- Helmac? or I don't remember. Yeah, Hal- Halleck, <laughs> something like that. It was um, Halleck, I think. Um, Gurney? No, it couldn't have been Halleck. It wasn't. Because I'd have made, I'd have been making Gurning Halleck jokes all along. Um, <laughs> any, anyway, uh, I love what they did with the Tellarites. Yeah, yeah I was going to te- say the the, the all you you talking about like the their, visually the the way that they changed. Yeah, because the Tellarites have always been very problematic from a from a, a, a makeup standpoint. Yeah. In TOS, it was basically just a pig mask, and they didn't even bother to make the eyes. Like I don't want to say bother. They didn't have the budget to do much more, but you know their eyes were never. You couldn't even see their eyes in the masks. Mm-hmm. And then in in uh, uh, Enterprise, they they improved on the makeup, but it was still basically just a dude with a pig snout. Um, and granted, none of them had anything any lines, so I don't know how articulated the the prosthetics were. Probably not at all. But I like the tusks and the and the much more much more natural looking faces that the Tellarites had in in this episode. Yeah, I like the the the, the uh, Andorians were kind of redesigned a little bit too, and I, I like they had some extra pointy bits. Yeah, <laughs> I like the way I like the way they look too. Okay, uh, so Ash tries to attack Vok. Actually, Ash does attack Vok, and Vok almost kills him until well, uh, Vok, Mike... not, it wasn't. It was Vok, Ash, not Ash. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, get taken. <laughs> I mean, hairs here. 
It's 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 relevant. <laughs> yeah. Shazad Shazid Shazid Shazad. Shazad Latif, yeah. Attacks a stuntman in a Vought costume. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I mean, it, it, that it, it was the Vought personality that attacked the Fire Wolf, not the Tyler personality. Yeah, he was still kind of... He, he wasn't 100% yet. He didn't become 100% until he started having that conversation with Michael in the next scene. Yeah, but he took a big jump because, yeah. because he's literally had to face himself spewing all this, you know all the races can get along thing, which is like antithetical. Well, all right. All right. Here, here's, here's something I I wanted to mention this earlier. Um, Isn't Burnham being incredibly naive? Because I think the, the reason all of these races, it's exactly what he told her. We have a common enemy, so we're working together. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why there was a big (laughs) mystery to that. It seemed pretty obvious. Yeah. I think it's yeah, it's wishful thinking on her part. She's just she wants there to be some secret that she can unlock, so that she can unlock the achievement like, oh. when she gets back to, <laughs> to the prime universe. You know? This guy, these people are trying to kill all of us, so we're like, stop it. <laughs> the end. Okay, so uh, back with uh, what's going on on the discovery with Tilly and uh, Stamets. So. We found out that uh, his brain is actually connected to other universes. Uh, so she's going to try and fix it with spores. And he starts crashing. So Saru orders a medical team to save him. And when they do that, uh, it disengages him from the network. And so she's... It kind of looks like he's going to be catatonic forever. That's what that's what she she's afraid no, he of. He was dead. Yeah, well, yeah. And then a few minutes later, he seems to kind of wake up. And he's inside of a dream... It's some, it looks like a dreamlike world where he's surrounded by spores and all that. And the Mirror Universe version of Stamets comes walking up to him and says, asking him if he's ready to get to work. So uh, that tells me that that universe's version of Stamets not only was doing the same work, but must have been better at it because <laughs> because he had been like waiting for him or whatever. And now I guess I guess we're getting the answer as to whether or not that was mirror Stamets that we saw in the mirror a few episodes back. Cause no. I, I, I don't know. I don't no. know. I kind of got that. that saying. I kind of got that, I felt that. that he had been, he had been kind of, uh, he had been with him for a while and he was waiting for him to, uh, kind of wake up to it. See, I, I think he was waiting because he, I think our prime Stamets had been kind of, unconsciously subconsciously tapping into the grand multi-universe deal like you know he came out he's like you know captain tilly before he saw captain tilly um i think he was mirror stamets was greeting him because this is the first time he was consciously aware of being in this nexus spore hub deal yeah see i feel like the mirror stamets would be further advanced than our Stamets because uh, because they're not going to have any qualms about the genetic modification and, oh, is this too hard on him? Uh, the captain there on that ship is going to say, okay, you're going to make these jumps and we're going to make these jumps now and you're going to listen to me and I don't care if it kills you because this is what I want. Right. And so... And so he would have he would have been more like more to the state where Stamets currently is beforehand. And so I, felt, I, I feel like he was just kind of sitting there wait, waiting for it 
and he's like, okay, I went through my catatonic state a couple weeks ago. Catch up with me, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like who knows how many tardigrades or little tardigrade cubes are floating around in the in the, <laughs> the mirror universe that got used up. <laughs> well, and, and I also I, I I I thought that it was maybe um, this in mirror universe. They're like, you want to use what? Get the fuck out of here. They, so the so the military never co-opted them. So they were just kind of left free to do their research on their own without like getting sucked into the war. So it, it progressed faster. Yeah, but now the mirror version of the Discovery has been transported to the Prime Universe. But Mirror Stamets is right here where Stamets is. So I'm wondering if they're still connected through uh, the rift or whatever through that mycelial network yeah because the yeah. the way the way that they uh, did that they flew into the little 3d animation of the neurons in his head or whatever techno babble it was and that's kind of what those what that uh, landscape looked like was it, it's just inside of his head and we've already established with like the Harry Mud episode with the time travel and with the hey captain Tilly all those things the inside of his head is connected to everything. Yeah. So it, they, they can communicate and still be in different universes. So I think that a lot of the stuff with the, with chasing the data for the defiant and all that is basically a red herring. Their answer to get back to the prime universe is right here where, where these two versions of Stamets are still connected through the two different versions of the discovery. Yeah. I think if they, I think if Stamets were to regain consciousness then they you know then they could jump back but the he's basically offline so that's that's why they're trying to find the alternate route right no i i stand by what i said last week the yeah like you said the defiant is a red herring Lorca wants the defiant to continue his quest to defeat the emperor I still think this is Mirror Lorca. I have oh, I, it, that hasn't changed me at all. He's definitely Mirror Lorca, and there were things in this episode that pointed to that. Yeah. The the monologue with Michael at the beginning, where she was talking about how everything's different. She said uh, something to the effect of, "Even the light is different. It's yeah. not as brilliant." And then yeah. all of a sudden, I was all like, "Oh!" And so we have a Lorca who can't handle bright light because where he's from, naturally, it's not as brilliant. Mm-hmm. I didn't and even so think I, about that. Yeah, I felt like that was pointing right to that. And this is uh, this is something years ago. I read an interview with Dick Wolf, who was one of the creators or was the creator of Law and Order. Yeah. And somebody asked him, "How how can you be so successful in your shows? Because just season after season after season, and uh, the underlying subtext was, and the shows aren't that great." Um, <laughs> but he, <laughs> and, and his response was, "You know, there's there is a there's a secret to this. You have to." Uh, you have to do what he called, uh, I think it was dish dishwashing episodes, where you can have the TV on and be doing the dishes and still follow the thread. And so you have to have enough in there for somebody who's doing something distracted to still follow along in the story. And this is where I felt like this was very much uh, not geared towards Trek nerds, because this is the one show in the entire week that I sit down and I turn off everything and I watch it full screen on my computer. I, I've got a 32-inch screen on my computer. It, it gets my undivided attention. Everything else, I'm doing something else while I'm enjoying that content. There, there's nothing else that I've got right now that has my full attention. And so for us, who we watch this and we, it has our attention, 
we're seeing all these things and it's like, oh, this is so painfully obvious. But to somebody else who's got it in a window in their computer while they're at work, it may not be as obvious. And so I feel like this is this is why it's not not uh, making as many Trek fans, old time Trek fans happy because they're thinking about it too much. And then it telegraphs everything clear through the season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know, to, to back up your point there, and I hadn't really and, and I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, last week, after last week's episode, um, on another group that I'm on, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to shame anyone, um, but in the discussion of last week's episode on that on that Facebook group, one person was like, so, wow, is it me or, or, or do you think Ash is a Klingon? <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i think they pretty clearly spelled that out that he's Vok at this point yeah <laughs> uh yeah. Let's, yeah let's see um okay so <laughs> michael confronts ash about what's happening to him when they get back to the ship and he says that uh he said well first he just says that he feels something for laurel and he feels like he has to do whatever she says and uh, michael tells him that it's it's brainwashing you know, and he's having these flashes of memories that that really went in overdrive when he saw Vok face to face, and uh, and then he remembers that he killed Culber. Like we asked last week, if if he remembers doing that, he didn't remember doing that until now. When when he does remember that, I think that's pretty much the tipping point. He 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 goes hundred percent Vok at that point. He I mean, Vok just wakes up, I guess, inside of him. So he realizes who he is, and he tells her who he is. And she doesn't believe him at first, you know. And then, and then he tells her, you know, well, I killed, I killed uh, Doctor Culber. And uh, when she says she wants to try and contact Saru or whatever, he attacks her. They, they kind of, uh, they start to fight. And uh, Saru comes in. Slave Saru comes in and saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he's not as uh, as cowardly as he. Uh, as he uh, appeared to well, be. Well, also, she was nice to him yeah. for what is probably the first time in his life. And she, because she, when she first sees him, of course, there's that, oh my God, Saru, what are you doing here? And and he's, you know, he said, I'm here to bathe you. And, and she, now this is, of course, after she has just witnessed the spacing of three people and done nothing about it. Not that for, she could. And the but, crime, the crime was that they had malicious thoughts about yeah. the captain, mm-hmm. which right. makes me wonder, do they have some kind of technology to police your thoughts? Because if they do, that could spell trouble for her. <laughs> I, I didn't get that impression. I thought it was, it was just more of a 1984 thought police kind of thing. They said the wrong well, thing at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. They, they were heard whispering in, at the by the water cooler. Okay. Yeah. That, that's um, how I saw it. Yeah. But, so... Saru comes in and she says, what, what's your name? And he says, a, a slave has no name. And then he bathes her. And according to, to After Trek, the, the, the producer that they had on, they said that scene was hilarious because Doug Jones has these big rubber gloves on his hands. And he said, trying to, trying to do the massaging, they just kept breaking up laughing because yeah. it was just so hard to do with the, <laughs> with the gloves. Um, but then later on, he brings her her food and she says, I'm going to call you. She goes, thanks, Saru. And he's like, Arr? yeah. And uh, I'm I'm gonna call you Saru. I'm gonna That's give you your a name. name. Now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm gonna call you Mickey. No. <laughs> so, I, so, 
<laughs> I had a thought about this though, because you know, back in back in the slave times in the United States, they talked a lot about how the masters wouldn't let them have names in certain circumstances, but the slaves always had their own names and things like that. Do you think, so this is mirror universe. Do you think he's still named Saru? And so when she's all like, I'm going to call you Saru because that's, and he's thinking that's what the other slaves call me while nobody's paying attention. Do you think that may have been why he was all like, there's something up with you. You were nice to me and then you knew my name. So I'm going to help protect you. Maybe he has niceness ganglia. Yeah. (laughs) Unless he was, Bravery Unless he was placed into slavery <laughs> at birth or whatever, I would assume that he would he would have the same name. Everybody else has the same names that they have in the in the prime universe. So now nah, his name is Smiley uh, in this. I, I am I'm sure <laughs> yeah. that he was. I'm sure that he was placed into slavery at birth. Yeah. Um, but I think I find your theory uh, highly intriguing. Uh, but I think if she did call him by a name that there's no way she could know. I think he would have inquired more about it. it Just was more like, like giving Dobby a sock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so when, when, when Saru stops the attack, uh, security comes and takes Ash, hauls him off to the transporter room. They're going to beam him out into space. They put him on the transporter pad. This is another disconnect that I had with the show. Well, wait, wait, wait. I think I know where you're going because I was bitching about it last night. <laughs> Since I rewatched the show today, there is a scene between the two events. Yep. Where she there's could a, have contacted the there's Discovery. Because like, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, when the hell did she have time? But there is, after they haul Tyler away, they cut back to the Discovery, and that's when Stamets kind of sort of wakes up. Yeah. And then we see Paul, the two Stamitzes in the, in the in the mycelium network, and then we go back to the Shenzhou. Yeah, that I mean that was part of that wasn't the disconnect I was talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. No, oh. no, that's fine. That's fine. I did, that, <laughs> that needed an explanation too. But um, okay, so as far as Ash knows, he's about to be killed. He they put him on the transporter pad. He's about to be beamed out into space. Why does he not then start screaming? She's not who she says she is. She's from a mirror universe. Blah 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 blah. He just stands hang on. He's dying with honor. I, I guess. I, I <laughs> thought, yeah, I thought of that. I was like, why? Yeah, why isn't he outing her? But yeah, like, like, uh, Brandon just said, he he's he's trying to die with honor, and also he probably realizes at that point no one's going to believe a word he says. Well, yeah, but that wouldn't stop me. <laughs> I, would still, I would still do. But uh, but yeah, he just he. And, and, you know, my wife asked me the same thing last night, and the only thing that I could come up with is that there's still part of Tyler that's fighting to come back out. And that part of Tyler is protecting her. But yeah. that that's the only thing I come... Because I still think, I, after all this stuff with Vok and, and, and all of it takes place, I think that Tyler, by the end of this season, Tyler is going to be the personality in this body. And Vok is going to either be part of his personality but like a a backseat driver or whatever or he's going to just be completely gone and ash will be ash and he'll continue to be a character on this show in the future i don't think that, i don't think that. that ash i don't think ash is going to get killed in this season uh, so. i disagree i don't know <laughs> what, what we're not we're your... not seeing ash in next season he's he's going out 
with a big redemption sacrifice. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so another... But, well, wait, but, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One other, one, one other complaint I have, and maybe this is just one of those things where everyone, quote-unquote, expects it, and so they're doing it. Uh, I was just very disappointed to see Star Trek doing the instant freezing once you get into space thing. Yeah. Because that's not in any way true. It's a, it's, you know, it's bullshit, quote unquote, science that's, everyone knows it happens, but it doesn't. And I was just very disappointed to see them do that. Shame on you, Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were just saying, we'll see you on Leia and raise you a Vok. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So Star Wars uh, wants to do that stuff. I don't care because it's Star Wars. They have slugs living in asteroids eating starships. Yeah, Yeah, this is supposed to be (laughs) science fiction. Right. Uh, So she takes the control and she beams him out into space, but she knows that Discovery is monitoring them and they're going to pick him up. And she planted the Defiant data on him so that they can get it. So she found her way to get the data to them. When he's taken aboard the Discovery, uh, Saru has him taken to the brig dot 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 where Laurel is. Laurel is, yeah. Like, yeah. put him in what, j- just just take Br'er Rabbit and put him in the briar patch. I mean <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean so now Vok and Laurel are going to be together. I mean they may not be in the same cell, but they'll be able to speak to each other and they'll be able to come form up formulate a plan of some sort. It it seems amazingly foolhardy unless it's to get them talking where they can monitor what they're up to. Yeah. At the same time, it's the discovery is a science vessel. So you can't imagine they're going to have too many brigs. Yeah. No, there are only so many options. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he just said, just lock them in any old room. It's fine. He said, take him to the brig. He didn't say take him to brig three or something like that. (laughs) You know? So, um, okay. So another vessel discovers the rebel base. And shows up. They they say they have they see an energy signature. They don't actually see a ship, but there is a ship there, and it destroys the base presumably before the rebels can get away. But we didn't see the rebels, so we don't know if they're gone or not. Um, I'm sure, some of them got away. Yeah, and uh, she's told Michael is told that there's an incoming transition transmission from the Emperor, and a hologram of Georgiou. Excuse me. Georgiou appears and uh, the on the bridge and chastises her for not completing her mission. So, yeah, Philippa Georgiou is the Empress. Thoughts? <laughs> is that a French name? It's her married name, according to if you've read the book Desperate Hours, uh, which not. is uh, I don't know if it's con- it. It's not so much considered canon, but it was written using the show Bible, and uh, the author, I forget his name, uh, David was Mack. Yeah. David Mack, thank you, was working with the producers of the show. So it's fairly reasonable to assume that what's in that book is canon. Um, and uh, Giorgio is her, her married name. She's uh, divorced. Uh, or widowed, I forget what. I think divorced. Um, so uh, whatever her actual maiden name is, they don't, I don't think they mention it, but Giorgio is not her, her maiden name. Yeah, and they don't call her anything here, but 
Emperor. Emperor. Or yeah. Empress. I, I, it no, they be, say Emperor. Yeah, it should be Empress, shouldn't it? <laughs> it's up to her. I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> She's the Emperor. She, yeah. she calls herself Emperor, so yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to the agony booth for arguing over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, but what we see in the uh, in the scene that we got on After Trek obviously shows that Michael and uh, Lorca get away. I don't know if they escape or if they're sent away on some mission or something like that. But I, don't they say they've been summoned to yeah. the royal palace? Yes. He, yeah. Well, he does say that that's where they're going. But we kind of speculated a while back that he was eventually going to want to go to the palace and take down the emperor. Um, so I don't know if it's part of that or if it's because that's where they're supposed to be going because somebody told them to. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But anyway, uh, so Giorgio is the is the emperor, and that's that's basically all we know about that is that she is the emperor, and she appears to be a very uh, angry one. <laughs> so, um, I have a question. Go ahead. Um, it seems they. They built up the mystery. No one knows what the emperor looks like, but everyone recognized the emperor. So everyone knows what the emperor looks like, but it's not on any records. I don't. I didn't get that everybody recognized her. I got that they said that you're getting a transmission from the emperor, and Michael recognized her. Well, no, they did. The, they did the emperor salute. Like there's a different salute for the emperor. Well, yeah, because they, because they said we're getting a transmission from the emperor. And for the for the other people on the bridge, this may be the first time that they've ever seen her, because they, why would she, they? She's always right. been called the faceless emperor. You know. Well, no, that this is this is the fact that the the data core they had was from the the rebels, and they may not know what the emperor looks like, uh, but star, you know, the 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 emperor's minions certainly. No, it just may not be a matter of the records that the the rebels could get their hands on. And now I'll grant you right. the the records they got their hands on are remarkably complete in some areas and remarkably incomplete in others. Yeah, uh, but you know, convenient areas, right. exactly. Highly <laughs> uh, suspect. All right. Again, mirror universe fuckery. It's why I don't like this. <laughs> See, the thing that I disliked the most about The Emperor is Giorgio had a great ending scene. She had a great impact on uh, on Burnham. And now we're like, okay, you know that character that you loved? Here, she's the bad guy now. And without any without anything to deserve that other than we... Oops, we jumped universes. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel, I'm glad to see Michelle Yao in there because she's a great actress. But I feel like they did the Giorgio character a disservice. Well, I think in general, and and I you know I'm not the originator of this idea by any stretch, but uh, it just in general, going to the mirror universe in your first season is it, it's like when TNG did the Naked Now as their second episode. You know, if you if you don't really know the characters, showing them being different doesn't have as much impact as if it was like three years down the line and suddenly we're thrown into the mirror universe and there's Empress Giorgio. It's like, holy shit. Um, yeah. But here it was just like, oh, yeah, kind of figured you were going that way. Yeah. 
I, they they kind of get away with it just a little bit more because I think, like I said before, these characters are more developed in these 11 episodes than what we usually get in 11 episodes of Star Trek. They've spent a lot more time on these characters. And so seeing their their mirror counterparts was a little bit more effective than it would have been if they had done this in the first season of TNG or something like that. But I, I, see, what, I see what you're saying. But... Yeah, there's, and we got a little, we, we got a complaint on the uh, Facebook group about uh, speculation, which uh, I, I don't, I don't really see any way to get around it when you're doing a show like this to, uh, of, of speculation, because uh, if you're watching a show and you're listening to a podcast about the show and they, we speculate about a lot of stuff and we're right about most of it, <laughs> then it takes a, it takes a little bit of the pleasure away of, of seeing those things unfold. So, but but like I said, I don't see any way to get around it because that's a speculation is a lot of what you do when you when you're doing a uh, episode by episode podcast like this. But uh, you know, I'm going to say that it it really depends because in that same interview with Dick Wolf, he also talked about how part of the reason why people like to watch Law and Order is because they figure out who the bad guy is and who's guilty before you figure out who's guilty, and then that way the 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 viewer feels like they are in on a secret and that they know better and that they they feel smart mm-hmm. and and so they they enjoy it when it comes to that resolution and that's because that was another thing he said he's like you don't want to make these things too complicated because you want people to be able to figure it out before you say this is how it worked like I mean if you go see Ocean's Eleven yeah you like the you like the fact that you were hoodwinked. Yeah. But when you're watching when you're watching a mystery kind of a thing, you want to have the chance to figure it out yourself and to, and to either be completely shocked or to be like, "Yep, I knew it all along. I am so smart." <laughs> and so, I mean, that's that's what this show is letting us do. All the way from the, you know, all the telegraphing, all the the fact that Lorca is like, "Okay, we got the Defiant there. You know what? Let's hang out on the ship a little longer because we want to hang out here and and you know, for some reason just in case, actually I'm trying to get to the Emperor so that I can go take my rightful place as the ruler of this universe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that. I, you know, that's, that's an, a, a direction that I, I never would have considered. Thank you. <laughs> that helps a lot. <laughs> that he just wants to rule everything. Well, no, just the, the fact that the, the, uh, you know, I, I've been kind of defending the writers a little bit, uh, in other areas because, being a writer for a television series these days has got to be, uh, you know, a Sisyphean task, um, because you're pen, you're 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 pitting your brain and maybe you know let's be generous and say a dozen other people against millions of nerds sitting there like <laughs> brainstorming and trying to figure out everything that you could do, will do, might have done, should do, or won't do. You know, there it, it's an impossible task. And, you know, here I am giving them shit for not defeating me in that area uh, only because they've been doing it all along. And that's that's, you know, I, you know, let me just reiterate that I'm not pissed that I figured this out. I'm pissed that up until now I couldn't. And now all of a sudden I'm you know getting everything. Um, but what you just said makes perfect sense. You want you know, they they, they, they could probably easily make it so intricate and complicated that there's no way you'd know what was happening until the end and you'd lose half your audience yeah but make it just hard enough that people feel like they've accomplished something by figuring it out ahead of time 
and you keep them coming back for more. That is that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's like the drug dealer mentality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that's all I've got to say about the episode. I did have a voicemail that I wanted to play, and uh, let me pull it up, and I will play that. And unfortunately, the person that left this voicemail did not leave their name, so. If you're the person that left this voicemail, send me a message and let me know so that I can put your name in for the uh, contest. But I'm going to go ahead and play this. And uh... Hey guys, I just wanted to call and say it is a great show, and I was wondering if I could bring up this topic to you guys. Since the cat's out of the bag, that ashes Valk, and that scene we saw with the latex Klingon boobs, is that really a rape scene, or is that just a love scene? Love to hear your thoughts on it. Keep up the great work. Thanks guys. Talk to you later. Bye. His his name is Matt Anderson. Okay, <laughs> and right. he's been a listener of Simply Syndicated for a long time. Uh, and he and I had this discussion yesterday. Uh, and he asked where to you know where where to send oh, that. that so you, yeah, you wrote me about. It. I didn't know if that was the same yeah. person or not. So okay, Matt. So uh, well, I'd be very surprised if it isn't. Let's say I've never heard Matt's voice, but I'm assuming that that's <laughs> it would be an incredible coincidence if that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what he was asking is. Uh, the scene where we that we keep flashing back to where Laurel and uh, Ash Ashvok are uh, having sex is that still or do we still see that as being a rape scene or is that a love scene? I kind of I kind of go I'm still not sure myself because in my mind if if she was doing that and and she kind of said this a little bit on After Trek last night. If she was doing that after the process of placing Ash's uh, memories on top of Vox, and Ash doesn't know her, then he's going to be seeing it as rape, even though she sees it as making love. So it all it all it all really depends on where in the process they were when <laughs> when that happened. Well, and even when that memory comes into play, because maybe it was a latent memory that snuck through because it was so powerful or something like that. And well, maybe it was from before the entire procedure. And yes, we, we, we see Ash, but uh, that's if it was from his mind, that was something that that was how he pictured himself. I shock myself like every day when I look in the mirror, I'm like, I'm not this person. Oh, yeah, I've just <laughs> aged a little bit. <laughs> and so if Ash sees himself as the human Ash, and he's like, oh, in this memory, this is me. Then that, I mean, we have a completely unreliable narrator with everything with Ash and Vok right now. I will, um, uh, Christopher DeFilippis totally called that, like, on episode nine or whatever, when we first saw that scene. Um, he, he, he predicted that it was exactly what it was, that, that he saw himself as Ash, but in fact he was Vok, and he, that's only because he thought he was Ash that he remembered himself being Ash. Um, so, you know, prof to you, Mr. Flip. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as far as whether or not it was, let's say, consensual, I've, I'm inclined to think the only, he doesn't, he only ever remembers that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as part of a flashback of him, like all of the gruesome stuff. So for whatever reason, he is associating the, that or those sexual encounters with the torturous part. So he doesn't he doesn't flash back to, you know, the tender moments by the reactor core or like, you know, 
holding hands or what you know like he, he you know he these have, are Klingons right they don't do tender I, I, well, I mean but I'm saying but there's nothing like there's it, it, he doesn't see a conversation he doesn't see like you know the the lustful growl he doesn't see her eyes you know he, at least from from the scenes that we have seen assuming that that's what he has when he has these flashes it's blood torture skinning sex with Laurel like there's the for whatever reason, he his mind uh, puts that in the same category of these awful events. Sounds like Klingon mating to me. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> eh. no, I, the Klingons yeah. don't have anesthetic. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> he was completely rebuilt and awake the whole time. That that's the only. Well, I, I think uh, you know maybe I, they think. Anesthetic is for the weak or something, but jeez. Yeah, I mean, given given what was done to him, I like there's no anesthetic that would do that would keep you asleep while your like every organ is being changed and your bones are being shrunk or whatever. Yeah, I think it was probably out for a while. I think that yeah, I, <laughs> I think that a lot of the answer. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think that the answer to that question is going to be fleshed out a little bit more um phrasing sorry <laughs> a little bit more uh <laughs> next week when uh when we actually see ash and laurel in the brig together and they're able to have a conversation after the Vok memories memories have surfaced more so uh we may get a little bit more insight into whether or not that sexual encounter was welcome <laughs> So. Yeah, I I kind of think that that Matt's right though. I or well, I I guess he did, he didn't really put forth a. When we were talking, he was he was indicating to me that that it it seems that it's now less a rape and more consensual, uh, and I kind of tend to agree with that. Um, well, I think it's definitely more in question. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's certainly not as clearly a sexual assault as it was before, which hopefully I know that there are some people out there, some you know, one person who is very dear to me is very troubled by that whole aspect um of it being a sexual assault. And uh I hope that this for for people out there who are uh triggered by the the, the depiction of what apparently was a sexual assault hopefully this will take some of the curse off of it for them. Um, you know, I didn't have a problem. You know, there were, there were some people who, who wished it wasn't there, wish they hadn't done that or wish they had handled differently. Um, the, you know, the fact that we see Laurel quote unquote naked, even though she's wearing more prosthetics than yeah. ever <laughs> in the scene. Um, they, they thought it was, it was unnecessary. And I, I disagreed. You know, I've said this on the show. I think it was, uh, I think it, it, we needed that point driven home. Uh, you know, I, I, there could not be any ambiguity at that point about what was happening. Um, and the only way for it to be, it, it, and it also had to be very clear that Laurel was in, was in charge, was, was dominating the situation. And I can't think of another way to do that. That wouldn't have involved, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, nudity. Um, it's you know so I hope it wasn't just the nudity that was the problem for people. Uh, I you know it was I think the it was the the implication that it was an assault that it was non consensual that it was a rape. Um, so hopefully 
this situation now, granted, is fucked up beyond belief. Yeah. <laughs> this is not normal in any sense. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully this will, uh, you know, take some of the sting out of it for people who might have been triggered by those flashbacks in a, in a very bad way. Well, the lady play- that plays Laurel, like I said, she was on After Trek, and she kind of spoke about it for a second, but she she didn't go one way or the other. But it kind of insinuated that it all depends on which part of Vox mind was in charge at that time, if it was before or after the right. procedure was completed. Because, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, again, that's, this- that's... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, this seems a lot like... Rashomon to me, which is the Kurosawa film from the 50s, mm-hmm. which uh, it's all about perspective and memory. And you can kind of play, and if you play with that, you can see the same scene from multiple different angles and from different memories. And in Rashomon, it never, it never flat, flat out says this is the objective truth. It says from this perspective, this was, this happened. But from this perspective, this other thing happened. And so from Ash Tyler's perspective, of course, it's going to be a horrible, non consensual thing. But from Vox's perspective, it's going to be how Klingons show their affection towards each other, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, I don't know. I, I I agree with you that I hope that this takes the sting out of it. But part of me wants to see this not be resolved, where they don't tell us what actually happened and where that actually took place, because I want this to be something that Trek nerds can argue for years to come. Was this who was he at this time? When when did Laurel take control, and who who is Laurel, and what is she like? Yeah, I I, I would I like that ambiguity and that depth. However, I, it's Star Trek, so I really feel like they will probably they will probably clarify it, and it will probably show that this oh that was Vok, and but from Tyler's perspective, that was terrible. Yeah. Well, just remember when when Tyler confronted her before they left the the Discovery, and she told him to lower the force field and he did. And he's like, what did you do to me? And she's, she's literally, I mean, I think for the, the only time we've ever seen Laurel be truthful, she was puzzled and said, we did it together. I think as far as she's concerned, it was all consensual. Yeah. She, she did not expect the Ash Tyler persona to take hold as, as deeply and as completely as it did. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I completely saw that, and I bl- I blame Burnham for it. She was his tether. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a question. Where did the Ash Tyler personality come from? Was he engrammed from some other actual person, or did they create him? No, he was he was a he was an actual person. He was a prisoner on that ship, and uh, <clears throat> and they. But I guess the ori- they showed the original Ash. I guess is dead now. Because I don't see how he could have survived them sucking his uh, his memories and everything out of his mind and putting them in the, in Vought. But I think that that Vought, that Tyler's uh, ingrained memories and everything that's in this body, I think that's essentially him. I mean, he's it's, he's not a false memory. It's an actual person. That's that that's why I was kind of going back and forth with is he going to be able to survive this because. I see that as maybe his physical body is dead now that they he's had to go through this procedure and everything, but mm. mentally, uh, your, his soul, if you will, is is still there. He's still alive. He's just in Vox's body. And that's a very Star Trek thing to do. Yeah. Like what is what is alive? Who is 
what what is the life worth and who should be in charge and is he really dead i mean this is i mean it's almost a data levels of what is humanity right yeah you know because they showed the operating table where they 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 were taking organs out of ash and putting them into vok mm-hmm and and this it was in in one of those flashback scenes in this episode, and it was really gruesome. And at first, I thought this is just CBS saying, "Hey, we're not on broadcast TV anymore. We can show stuff like this." But after having this discussion, I think that that was actually a very important thing because he was actually Ash Tyler. They checked him out. They took his organs because he actually had to pass medical tests, right. and they and they put it on there. And and yeah, they took his memories in his mind, and. Uh, it, you know, if they take his memories and they put them onto here, is he actually? If they took just the memories, is that actually humanity? Like, is he actually a person, or is he just like a shadow of the person? And I think that's, I, I think that's a theme that they're going to explore in future episodes. Yeah. So to 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 connect that with another storyline, if we know from After Trek, and I kind of wish we didn't, but we do, <laughs> that uh, Colbert is not completely gone for in whatever way that might manifest. My personal theory is that, you know, the soul quote unquote soul, it can be accessed through the Marcelo network. And if that's the case, can Stamets bring Tyler back over right Vok? Pull him out? I don't know. This well, if anyone can do it, it would be Stamets yeah. because he is their plot convenient person right now. But like, he yeah. can do anything. <laughs> yeah, this. I mean, that's that's my theory going forward. I, I I don't know if I'll be proven wrong or not, but my theory going forward is that uh, Tyler's going to win this battle, and he's he's going to uh, he's going to be at home in this new body. <laughs> and he's going to be the security chief of the Discovery in season two. So, <laughs> but how could they? I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm going to go on the record as saying that you're wrong. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's a very even, even if even if Tyler um, gains control and is totally running the ship. I mean, not the ship, the ship, the ship of his body ship, the the USS Tyler Ash. <laughs> um, I want to start calling him Vash. <laughs> just to yeah, piss people off. <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says I'm going to fix it with spores <laughs> but even if Tyler takes control how can anyone on that ship trust him again like how can they how can he get his position back well that's when they're going to go that's what my theory of uh, season 2 is going to have a lot to do with that and it's going to be a lot of the 7 of 9 kind of stuff how were people able to trust her she was a Borg you know, and they yeah, she didn't kill anybody on Voyager. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, they're reinventing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not saying. I mean, See, I, 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 I will gladly say it, when when it comes across that I'm wrong, I'll gladly say, "Hey, I was wrong about it." It's just you know, it's it's a feeling that I have. So, the, so the, what? Go for it. Uh, okay. The the only problem I have, well, not the only problem I have with this episode, but. The, the the scene with, with Stamets meeting Stamets was really cool, yeah. but pl- it planted a seed of uh, fear in me in that I now see the reset button that we always get when Star Trek does this kind of shit. 
<laughs> because they have all if 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 one more irreparable horrible thing happens to a main character then i know they're going to be hitting that reset button at the end of the season and we're going to go back to hey didn't we just leave no we're back none of that happened yay we're all good <laughs> i didn't get that at all i well it's it's it, there's nothing i can specifically point to I mean, that, you, I, like now that you say it, I can see it. Yeah, but it's, I, it's but more I a feeling I'm getting, and I hope after, I'm wrong. I really after hope this I'm episode, I I, I kind of tend to agree with you because if this had happened, if you had said this last episode, I would have been like, no, you're crazy because that's what they do. They take this and they flip it on its head and they say we are not your your grandparent Star Trek, mm-hmm. yeah, or your parent Star Trek. But you know, when they when they killed the the chief security officer right off the bat, and we were like. Oh wow, people die here. Like significant people die here. But then, you know, Giorgio. Giorgio's dead. That she's a big actress. Oh, Giorgio's back. And so how are they I they could very easily reset everything. And I I hope they don't. I hope they don't. But I it, this episode they took everything that we thought they had reset and they flipped it again. And yeah. they said, "Oh, no, just kidding. This is exactly what what you guys thought it was. So, um, I'm looking at the episode titles for the upcoming episodes and at the risk of, of sounding, of of being that guy who feels like he's got everything planned out. (laughs) I, so we've got an episode called vaulting ambition. I think this is going to be Lorca's episode. Lorca trying to take on the emperor. What's past his prologue. This points very much. I feel like to what Sean has been saying with, this is going to be Ash coming back. Um, and then you got the war within the, or the war without the war within that seems, that seems like it could be a very much Ash centric episode, maybe a Stamets episode. And then will you take my hand? And this is Ash saying, please trust me again. You need to trust me. I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like they're telegraphing this for us. Yeah. When you, but the only one, one thing jumped out when you said that one of the, one of the episodes had the word past in it. Uh, Whenever I see, past or future or anything like that in a Star Trek title, I think time travel. <laughs> so I'm thinking there's going to be some kind of time travel happen in that episode. Some kind of reset, maybe? Uh, I hope not, <laughs> but it could be. But I think well, that I, I, think I will that say this one reset, thing they would do it like they wouldn't do it until like the last episode or something like that. But well, there's there's also the problem of if they do and, and if we're wrong and they do take the discovery through the inter- interface, uh, the spatial interface that brought the Defiant there. <sighs> Granted, there's there's no necessarily reason to expect it to be symmetrical in both directions, but it should spit them out in the TOS time frame, which would lead to needing a whole lot more explanations as to why nobody's heard of the discovery or the spore drive in the Star Trek we know. Yeah, that's why I think that, personally, I think that the that the whole uh, Defiant thing is a red herring. And yeah. the, the way that they're going to get back, if they go back, which, you know, I'm assuming they will, but they might not. Um, the way that they're going to go back is going to be with Stamets and Stamets, attorneys at law. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does anybody have anything else they want to add before we close out? I'm spent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at my notes. 
Uh, why can't we see them? Fantastic performances. Um, oh, just a moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna bitch about after check for just like really fast. Oh yes, yes, I do have some. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so the big reveal: Valk is finally Ash. Ash finally Valk. And he's like, yeah. So we had some uh, people with theories online, and he read three fan theories that were all off, and not any of the thousands of people who were like, we think Ash is Vogue and, and like nailed it. Why even bother? Why even say it? Well, that that whole aspect of After Trek, I'm, you know, I'm glad they got rid of the real time reading tweets and shit because you know it was so clear that they only read stuff that. You know, it, it felt like the, uh, you know, like a, a 1984-ish kind of, the people have a voice. Here is someone saying, I love our government. Aren't they wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, I mean, after Trek, I, like I said, I only watch it to hear the um, producers and the writers and to get some of the some of the trivia that they do between segments where they kind of, show you oh yeah this planet was mentioned in this deep space nine episode blah 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 like oh okay you know that kind of stuff is kind of cool to me but i think i think i might stop watching it like well, the, like the, really the main reason i watch it is because i like you know talking dead and for this show but i it does kind of spoil some stuff that i didn't need to see and the, he is a little annoying I, and I know. Did he do a line of coke before the show started last night or something? Well, because... he, uh, he's just always like that. He's, he's very excited about Star Trek. Well, well, no, but no. I mean, normally he's, you know, yes, he's he's certainly effervescent, and uh, <laughs> and you know, overexcited. And I've gotten used to that. But like the, I forget the name of the producer that they had on last night, but at one point he was like, dude, are you trying to get me fired? I can't answer these questions yeah. you're asking me. Well, I mean, that, that's, that, that was bad. You know, because he, he's like, so, basically, tell us what happens in the next episode. You know? <laughs> no, I'm not um, going to do that. And and it, it was just like, you know, you know, he does occasionally kind of try to tease out a little bit of something but last night he was just like point blank going so is uh you know is this gonna happen next time and and the producer granted he tried to laugh it off and keep it light but he did say you're trying to get me fired aren't you <laughs> <laughs> i i took that as a joke i thought he was yeah. but the thing is he it yeah he made it a joke but the questions mira was asking were not in any way appropriate for that show because he was literally asking for plot points of upcoming episodes, and um, and I just it just seemed like very out of character for him to be that blunt. So you know, I don't know where that was coming from, but well, it's almost like he's trying, like he's trying to make his show be, I don't know, like top of the top of the heap or whatever. But the thing is, his show is the only show. I mean, he doesn't have anybody yeah. to compete with. CBS is not letting, well, except for you guys. Well, yeah, but I mean, CBS is <laughs> yeah, not letting later. CBS is not letting these people talk to anybody else. I mean, they're, the After Trek is the only talk show that they're appearing on where they can talk at length about anything. You know, I mean, if you see them on Good Morning America or something like that, they're not going to give you any information. The only only thing like that that you're going to get is on After Trek. So he doesn't have to try that hard. He's got the only, you know, he's got the only dog in the show. <laughs> but as so as a fan. 
I tried to watch the first two after tracks and I couldn't stand him because he was just so hyper and didn't mean thing of substance. And so as, after the second episode, I decided, you know what? I'm just, I'm just listening to Sean because you guys, you're <laughs> able to talk about what's going to happen to next week. And I, you know, I say Sean because I also listen to cosmic potato and, uh, and so that's, and John, but the, uh, every, you guys can talk about what might happen next week where, on After Trek, they can't or else a producer gets fired. Right. <laughs> and and so as a fan, I find the podcasts, the Star Trek Discovery podcast, much more entertaining and fulfilling than After Trek. After Trek is not something bad to have on if I was, like, say, cleaning the house and wanted to just to continue to get more, uh, to get more uh, Star Trek in my life. But I could very easily just turn on a Bluetooth speaker and... And, and play podcasts. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and, there, and, and that's why I watched the show because, you know, kind of, you know, at, at the risk of sounding more dismissive than it maybe needs to, you know, we take the bullet so you don't have to. <laughs> um, <but. laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of Discovery podcasts out there. I, I, I try to listen to a few of them, but I, I don't listen to them until after we record this show because I don't want what I hear on that show to... Um, influence what influence i say on this opinion. show because if i if i come out and say something that i heard on another podcast i'm just gonna feel like well i just stole that from somebody else you know but i did i did one learn one piece of information on after trek last night that i found a little bit interesting in that um uh shazad latif said that they credited uh what javad iqbal or whatever with uh yeah. Yeah. with his uh with uh, the part of Vok, well, Javad Iqbal was his father that passed away about five years ago, I think he said. So that was interesting yeah. that we finally find out where that name came from because that seems like a very strange name to just pull out of thin air <laughs> to to make have, a fake. Have you seen his Twitter? Have you seen his Twitter? I saw where he said that he had been to a party with him or something like that a while back. <laughs> well, there, there's the, the the Javad Iqbal Twitter. He's constantly making it now. I am a real actor, and yeah. <laughs> it's like he's always using the phrase "like what a real actor would do." <laughs> it's hilarious. You know, I just googled Javal Iqbal, and unfortunately, that is also the name of a serial killer uh, in yeah. Pakistan. So, oh. <laughs> hopefully, it's. Not I mean, it, it is Vok. It is Vok. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hopefully, we don't find out that Jean Latif's father was a serial killer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. I want to remind everyone that we have another podcast that comes out every week where we talk about other stuff besides Star Trek that uh, we'd love for you to check out. It's Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, and you'll find us, you'll find us doing that over at CosmicPotato.com. And as far as this show is concerned, you will always find us on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and, of course, over at simplysyndicated.com, where you'll also find a ton of great podcasts, um, some of which uh, Rick hosts. Uh, and while you're there, yeah, <laughs> while you're there, you should think about joining uh, Simply Everything, where just a few dollars a month will get you access to their entire back catalog of shows. And it is hundreds and hundreds of hours of content. So uh, we're on Facebook. We have a group called Fan... Well, the, actually, the group is just... Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. I changed it to make it a little bit shorter, even though that is pretty long. Um, <laughs> we're trying to build a community for the listeners, so you can go there and tell us what you think of uh, 
the last episode of Star Trek, what you think about this podcast, things that you like to hear us talk about. And uh, we also have a way for you to send us a voicemail or a text message. You can call 205... As you heard tonight. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, area code 205-642-8380. And I was actually told by one of our listeners from the UK that uh, they can't send text messages through, or they can, but uh, it costs them a lot of money to send text messages to that number. So if you want to just communicate with us through the Facebook page, that's fine. But uh, anybody that sends us a voicemail or a text message, a Facebook message, or an iTunes review or something like that, we're going to put all those names into a hat in the last episode. We're going to draw a name and we're going to give away a prize of some sort. Um, okay. You shitty book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, probably not the book. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make Rick give you his communicator he got for Christmas. <laughs> you can fight me for it. <laughs> all right. Brandon, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for having me on. You want to tell everybody about your podcast? Yeah, so I am one of the co-hosts of the Fandom Podcast, which you can find over at fandompodcast.com or in any of your podcast catchers. Uh, and we talk about Star-, Star Trek, we talk about Harry Potter, we talk about Doctor Who, we talk about TV, movies, comics, and books. And we just we do two episodes a week. The first episode is a news roundup, and then the second episode is a discussion. So yeah, you can find that over at fandompodcast.com or any podcatcher. And John, cool. always good talk to you, sir. Yeah, man. <laughs> and Rick, always <laughs> a pleasure. May Kalish give me the light to see forever. <laughs> Kalish! Yeah. Lost Rick. Rick? Yes? Rick? What? <laughs> You're my tether, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of the show. We'll be back in uh, next week to uh, review the new episode Vaulting Ambition so we'll talk to you then good night thank you for joining us for Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show your feedback is welcome leave us a comment and review on iTunes or follow us on Facebook the views and opinions stated on this program are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Simply Syndicated CBS Paramount Pictures or their sponsors Star Trek Discovery is owned by CBS and has no affiliation with Simply Syndicated or this podcast. No infringement of copyrighted material is intended. Be sure to join us again next week as we analyze another episode of Star Trek Discovery here on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show.